Hey, everybody. Good morning to you as well. I gave a dozen donuts to that food drive. I gave sweets for Lent. That was like a couple pounds right there. So <laughs> I was so intrigued. A, uh, an event designed by men, for men, that could be a disaster. <laughs> it could be really encouraging, but it's worth coming to see. Let's close in prayer. No. <laughs> you know, uh, I was just mostly listening to worship uh, in this past few minutes. And what came to me was this, that the goal for every preacher should not be what a great sermon, but what a great God. So uh, this is a frail not altogether person, and you pray that the Lord works through you on a Sunday, but don't look at this, uh, hear God's word, uh, see what God is saying to you, uh, we do serve a great God, he is constant when we are not, and he's with you this morning, whether you're here for the first time with us or you've been here for a while, the Lord is here, he is near, and sometimes I find in my life the work is just to draw near, not to try to, but just draw near this morning. Let me say a word of prayer before we get into it. Lord Jesus, um, we need you. We acknowledge that. Uh, we've come from all different kinds of places this weekend. Some are full and very present this morning. Others are preoccupied and troubled. Uh, Lord, you know all of that. You see it. But we pray that you would uh, work in us to just be present this morning, that your spirit would work, that the light would be upon Christ and no one else. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week uh, marked the third anniversary of the COVID quarantine in our home. It's hard to believe that three years ago in March, everything really shut down. So I love telling the stories of my family that lived together for three months of the quarantine. We had uh, uh, two adult children that were married and one that was not, and they all were in smaller places in the city, and they said they'd like to just come out where we have a little bit more room out in the country. And so they joined us for about three months. We called it our pod. And it was the very best of times, but it was also some of the worst of times, really, we have a three-bedroom, two-bath home, which housed our two married children uh, and their spouses, one grandchild, one large dog, my youngest son, and one of his friends. We don't know why that happened. <laughs> and my wife and I were not going to give up our room, so you can do the math, that we had seven human beings, one dog, and one cat uh, sharing two bedrooms and one bathroom. So my oldest son, who tends to be uh, a person of, of thought and vision, he borrowed a tent. It was March and it was still cold, especially at night. Uh, but my son and his wife ran an extension cord into our backyard for a space heater and a small lamp and then moved one of our mattresses into the tent and left his grand, uh, our child, uh, his grandchild, uh, or excuse me, our grandchild, his child. <laughs> I'm still affected by this. There's a long recovery from COVID. 
So he left all of that. <laughs> and his large dog in our house for us to kind of take care of if there was any trouble at night. Uh, but he did have an emergency plan. He did. He um, said that they would come back into the house and sleep on the couch if it got too cold or too wet. And so he instituted that plan most evenings. <laughs> and so most mornings I woke up uh, to the side of my firstborn son sprawled out on the couch that I let to sit on. And, um, but it was dear. A gentle tear sometimes would form in the corner of my eye as I wondered, where did I go wrong? Temporary housing is not common, it is not uncommon in our world, especially for homeless, especially for those who have nowhere to go, but it doesn't work very well for eternity. This doesn't work very well for eternity. So we're going to read this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. We're going to be talking about our new bodies. Paul makes an analogy as a tent being like our temporary bodies, and we're going to read about that in a minute. But all the verses we're going to look at today are from the letters of the Apostle Paul. So in the beginning of his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul mentions his near-death experience. That gives you some context as to why he's writing all this. He said, we are under great despair, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of even life of itself. So Paul basically, as he was writing, wanted to give people in despair or doubt a picture of the future. And Paul was a tent maker. So he understood kind of some of this temporary living. But he knew there was a better refuge for God's people than living without a temporary home. And so this is what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm reading from the NLT. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in this earthly body, we groan and we sigh. But it's not, what we want, it's, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that close us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up in life. Do you ever get up in the morning and you're like, ugh. Oh. We groan and we sigh because we look forward to today and we're like, oh, Lord, give me the strength to do this. And it's not quite what it's supposed to be. So let me summarize what Paul is saying. The tent is going to go down and the new housing is going to go up. This tent does not even make sense in our permanent home. Why would it? So here's what is clear in this passage. For those of you who may not have heard this kind of thing before, we will have new bodies in heaven. And I'll speak of it later. We will recognize one another. But we will have these new imperishable bodies in heaven. In the end, we're not going to just float off into the clouds and carry our earthly tent with us with all its frailty. We will see and know and experience the world we live in all made new. Daryl Johnson in his commentary of Revelation says this, the destiny of God's people is not to go to heaven. Wait, wait a minute. Our destiny is to enter a new heaven and a new earth 
What Paul is talking about here is very tangible. He was an, a tent maker. He says, you're not going to go with this. You're going to go into a permanent home. Everything that's diseased or broken is going to be made whole. That doesn't doesn't just include our physical bodies. It includes our broken and lonely souls. It'll all come together. We will enter heaven with Easter Sunday bodies, not Good Friday ones, if you get what I mean. So one of the tensions that I have felt in this series on heaven is talking about a vision for heaven but the reality and knowing the reality of death and how painful it has been for people who have lost a loved one. So we sit and say, this is great. You're talking about heaven, but I'm having a hard time getting my arm around it because there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hard stuff in this world. So it's not that we don't believe in heaven, but we feel sadness over people that maybe we have lost or sadness over thinking, wait, I like my life, it's pretty good, and we may miss something when we die. A marriage, a daughter or a son, a close friend, or a favorite place we like to go with loved ones. So it's hard for us to get there. Tish Warren, who wrote Prayers in the Night, says this. One thing that draws me to Christianity is that we are allowed to hate death. I don't have to act as if darkness is any less dark than it is. I don't have to stoically accept it as a part of the circle of life. Death entered into our world through sin, but it was not the way it was supposed to be. We are a part of the brokenness in this world. I went to a funeral for a dear friend several years ago. And the speaker got up there, and I'd never heard this before. And he said, even the very cells of our body are affected by sin. And he was talking about his his, uh, passing from cancer. It's why I said at a memorial service last week for someone our staff loved, we can shake our fists at death. Death is an enemy, but it's not the end. We can shake our fist at death because when this breaks down and gets wet and gets cold, everything will be new. Dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. So I'm going to share some practicals before I get into the supernaturals of the body. I was sitting preparing the sermon this week, and this series has got a lot of people thinking about heaven, but me too. And I'm maybe just a little closer than some of you, so I'm going to go off script for a moment. I thought about, what would I want to say if I only had a few days to live? What would I want to say to my loved ones or people that I know? So this is just a few thoughts to that end. And who knows what you're really going to articulate in those days, but this is just a few thoughts. I've had time to think about it. I think in the long run, we just want to be near people we love and tell them how much we love them. 
But if I had the mind and the heart to say it, I might say something that my wife often says to me, be kind to yourself. Because God has been kind to you. Try to understand how much Jesus loves you, and he knows it's difficult. Do we know what Christ did for us on the cross? I could probably just have you shout it out. Yeah, he died for our sins. He died so that we would not be left dead in our sins. And you might say, yeah, Pete, I've heard that. I've been around church for a long time. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder this morning. But listen to what 15th century pastor John Calvin said. If Christ had died only a bodily death, it would have been ineffectual. Unless his soul shared in the punishment, he would have been the redeemer of bodies alone. There is more than just this. Do you see what this means? When God, in the person of Jesus Christ, said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He meant, I'm not only suffering physically for these sins of the world, but you, Father, have left me alone. I think we can do anything if we know there's a loved one near us. But the Father left him alone. The great darkness on the cross was more than dying for our sins and suffering of Jesus. Jesus was left alone by his Father. And that was the greatest darkness he experienced. In John 16, Jesus said to his disciples, You will all leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. But probably just a few days later, this is not what Jesus experienced on the cross. He knew the presence of his Father as he lived in this world, doing the miracles of this world. But on the cross, he was utterly alone taking on our sins in his body and his soul. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus entered into our frailty, and he faced every darkness that you have faced in feeling alone, even in your soul. You may suffer in your body, but your soul can also feel very alone and wounded. But Jesus understands our every pain and rescues our weary soul. And that is the gospel. And that is good news for you. So you can be kind to yourself because Jesus knows and he has been so kind to you. And then I might say, enjoy all that is good in this life. And it'll give you a better taste of heaven. Put things in perspective. There's a whole life out there. The view from the top of Old Rag. Kayaking on the James River. The smell of lavender. The sweetness of a freshly picked apple. Time with family. Or even the beauty of a voice from Les Mis that I got to see this week at the Eltria that hits that high note and says, bring him home. You know, oh. Reminding ourselves day to day that life is short will teach us how to live in the fullness of this life. Preparing you, in a sense, for the goodness and the greatness 
of eternal life. N.T. Wright says this, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. Get it? Kate Bowler puts it this way. Through his resurrection, Jesus promises that everything we love in this world is lasting. We will taste, feel, and touch anything that God has called good. And that is good news. You know, some of you are working really hard, but you quietly carry resentment for those you see on Instagram or Facebook that are having a good time out there again. I'm going to go full disclosure. I thought about that because that's me sometimes. I'm like, uh, how are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> but why are we so discontent when people are taking the time they need? Unless, of course, you're in the Virgin Islands and you cannot like them. <laughs> the issue, though, is not really with them but you. There's a reason for a Sabbath. Take a break. <laughs> I know that's hard for young parents, but you've got to take time and enjoy all that is good in this life so it'll give you a better taste of heaven. And then finally, locate your small joys or tragedies in the scope of eternity. Again, the big picture. Right before the Apostle Paul referred to our bodies as an earthly tent, he said this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In March of 2021, Louis Palau died of cancer. He was a well-known evangelist in church world. When he was asked shortly before he died what message he would send from heaven, he said this. This is my message I would send to people from heaven. Don't be stupid. Palau meant don't forsake eternal life in Christ. You may not see it now, but hope is waiting. Grace is calling and the party is waiting. Heaven is for real. Locate your small joys and your tragedies in the big picture of eternity. So be kind to yourself because God on the cross has been kind to you and he is with you in every moment. Enjoy all the good in this life and that's going to give you a better taste of heaven and live with a fuller life here. And then locate your small joys and tragedies in the scope of eternity. Keep it in perspective. This is just a momentary wisp in life. So those are the practices for me. And I'll briefly go through what I would consider some of the supernaturals. See, this was not really a hard sermon for me to prepare because I can point to this and say, oh, there's more than this. I was going to say, look at this. Isn't this what you can look forward to? Something like this. No. I can say there's more ahead of us than replace knees and repair shoulders. I've got a lot of uh, expensive replacement parts. I wish they could go with me, but they're not going to. Everything's going to work in a perfect way. Paul is clear that in heaven we will be given new bodies. He describes them this way in 1 Corinthians 15. Ready? Our bodies will be buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They will be buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. I think the NLT version of this in 
uh, in, that we've read is almost poetic in their description of the new bodies. It's like Paul's own three-point, very brief sermon. He says, you're going to be buried in brokenness, raised in glory. Buried in weakness, raised in strength. Buried in natural bodies, raised in supernatural bodies. This makes no sense for eternity. This makes no sense for eternity. The tent goes down and the new building goes up. So Paul says in the first passage we read from 2 Corinthians 5, so go ahead and groan and sigh. These dying bodies are going to be swallowed up by life. You've got something more to look forward to. Go ahead and groan and sigh when CrossFit no longer works to keep you younger and fit. Go ahead and shake your fist and raise your hands because disease or a broken heart does take an ugly toll, but death will never have the final word. Stay near to people to help you through those things. Last night at dinner, I was sitting next to another pastor who was preaching this morning. And he was preaching actually on Lazarus being raised from the dead. So we started chatting and chatting. There were about eight or nine people at the table. My wife was across the table and she thought, oh, this is going to be a late night. Because Pete's going to go home and he's going to like rework some things. And I did. (laughs) See, this dear friend lost his first wife to cancer. And so I thought I kind of like gave a good perspective of maybe death and heaven, heaven. But he said, don't, don't stay too long on that. He said, because yes, Pete, we will grieve and we can be angry at death. But remember, we're not those who grieve without hope. We grieve those in Christ who pass on. But on the other side, there is new birth with people waving banners and welcoming us home. Because death will never have the final word. So, will we see those that we love in heaven? Will we recognize those that matter to us in these new bodies? I think recognition sometimes is elusive. Megan and I ran into a young woman uh, at a restaurant the other night who was hostessing. And we had not seen her since she was probably seven years old. She's now like 18, 19. But then she kept smiling at us. And she said, I know you guys. And then we knew, we thought that's you? We knew it was her, and she was different, but still the same. Beautiful smile. So when Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection Sunday, the disciples didn't recognize him at first. They were like amazed, like, that's you? They were in shock. In fact, Luke said the disciples could hardly believe it was Jesus because of their joy and the amazement. Like, really? But when he showed him his hands and his sides and he broke bread with them, their eyes were open. And all they could say was, my Lord and my God, it's you. We may have some of those reunions in heaven. So I do believe we will be reunited with those we love in the new heaven and the new earth. We're going to see our sons and daughters, our mothers and our fathers, our dear friends we loved in Christ. And since these are supernatural bodies, we're even going to know everybody's name. It'll be more than just, hey, brother, hey, sister. We'll know their names. So, this tent makes no sense for eternity. It just doesn't. Heaven will finally bring into alignment our souls and our bodies in a supernatural way and will be imperishable. You know, in ninth grade, I made the basketball team. Thank you. 
I wanted to be the next Larry Bird or Michael Jordan who was just getting started. And in 10th grade, I was cut. In college, I wanted to work uh, in radio or TV, sports preferably. But instead, I work as a pastor in a local church. So pick your dream. God has a better one. And if it hasn't been for you now, it will be in eternity. At the end of my life, I do want to be surrounded by my loved ones. I don't want to be known as the greatest speaker, the smartest person in the room, or the one with the best jump shot. I want people to say, he may have been hard-pressed at times, but he was never crushed. In other words, he was messy, but he was never crushed. He was faithful. He came. His love came from Christ in him and Christ through him. He loved very much because he had been loved much, and he knew what it felt to be loved. And the closer he got to death, the more it looked like he wasn't there anymore. The earthly tent was taken down, and the new housing was starting to go up. You know, it was the first verse I memorized as I was a younger person beyond John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Philippians 1.21 was the verse. For me to live is Christ, and to die is to gain. Because we know that this tent doesn't make sense in eternity. We're going to be buried in weakness, but raised in strength. Death was defeated. And we're going to be swallowed up by life. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus Christ, um, I'm excited about this. And for those, Lord, who... um, generally have consistent days of good health and um, good friends. Father, we pray that this would not be like, well, do I need to go there now? No, Lord, to enjoy every moment you've given them as a hint of what heaven might be on their best days. And we pray, Father, that you would bless and be near to these dear friends. In Jesus' name, amen.